You are listening to episode six of the Equine Collective podcast. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Equine Collective, a weekly empowerment and explorative podcast for the dreamers, the innovators, and the rebels of our global equestrian community. My name is Mary Anderson, and I look forward to exploring with you the whole horse and whole human connection. We will be investigating how mindfulness, personal growth, and community are playing a massive role in the subtle shift that is happening across disciplines, styles, and countries. I am also so excited to host some fiercely empowered men and women who are making it their life's mission to improving the lives of horses and their humans through new innovative concepts and methods. Join me now on this journey to empowerment and growth. Welcome to today's episode of the Equine Collective. I want to start this episode off today by wishing my daughter, Faye, a happy, happy birthday. Faye is one of our biggest fans, listens to every episode, and is quite the little entrepreneur and equestrian. So happy birthday, baby. I'm so proud of this episode. I'm going to say I'm so excited for this because I finally get to introduce you guys to my sidekick and co-host, Keely Portsma. Hello, everyone. Really great to be here, really great to be part of the Equine Collective. Thank Mm -hmm. you for having me, Mary, and having me join the team. Absolutely. Thank you for joining the team. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to find us and uh, your journey so far? Yeah, for sure. I came to Huckleberry Horse Co. I guess, has it been a year, year and a half? Mm -hmm. Year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Almost two years in March. Almost two years. Wow. Okay. My anniversary's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first time you came for your riding lesson then. Yes, yes. So that's that's how it came to be. I had started leasing a horse before I came here. I got into horses. I'm I'm new to horses. I've been, you know, doing it for two years now. And so unlike a lot of people you probably talked to who has been doing since they were born, pretty much. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt here for a second because <laughs> the rule is you're not allowed to say you're new yeah, to horses yeah. anymore when you've been in horses okay. for two years and have put so much heart and soul into mm-hmm. being with your horse. That's so. fair. Yes. So I had got into horses um, as a way to, I suppose, get back to myself. I've been working in the world of tech for around 20 years now and I had been living in the city so I grew up on an acreage and experienced being around animals and being around horses. No, I didn't have my own horses but I got to ride my friends horses and whatnot. When I was in my 20s I moved to Calgary and I lived the downtown life, worked in marketing, went to all the art gallery openings and you know experienced that pub life and and big city life which was really great and so I kind of got away from from the natural side of (laughs) being in touch with nature and and with myself and when I moved to Kelowna you know I moved downtown and I continued on with that life and I worked um 
at Disney and, and, and the corporate life. Now, I've been doing that for 10 years in Kelowna, and I realized I, I needed something a little bit more. Um, I needed... I was starting to go on hikes more, kayaking, getting back to experiencing nature, and then one day I found an ad to try leasing a horse, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I went out there, and Colleen Snelson was really great, and she helped me um, figure it out. I didn't even know how to, you know, tack up a horse at all. I couldn't even go catch my own horse, so she showed (laughs) me how to do that. I spent the first year leasing with her and watching YouTube videos and trying to figure it out on my own. I got to a point where I needed help, and that's how I came to Huckleberry Horse School, and that's where I met Mary, and I took a, I guess, a lesson with you, and the lesson was basically <laughs> us sitting in the round pen, I was sitting on Sky, we just chatted for like two hours, I think, and it wasn't even really an a official lesson, it was more of a, oh wow, I it opened up my eyes on, you could do more with horses and um, riding than I thought. I thought it was all about just jumping on a horse and going for a horseback ride, but there's mm. a whole lot more, and I was hooked, and I haven't left. <laughs> yeah. She showed up and then never left, and don't, yeah, no, we're, we're not complaining about that, not one bit. Well, in that first lesson, I, I thought even, too, for myself giving lessons, um, I get carried away and we talk about the horse stuff, but when I have somebody who is also looking deeper into horsemanship, but not just somebody who wants to hop on and, you know, dig their heels in and go for a run up the mountain, but somebody who really wants to take in all the different parts of it, um, I remember I got super excited, and of course, I can talk a blue streak on a good day. <laughs> so I was super, super excited you came, and then, and then after you came and you were here for a bit, you, uh, we had some stuff happen with one of my horses that she took off of my hands. <laughs> Not complaining, but, mm. but uh, yeah, no. So tell me about that. Yeah. So as you know, I, I, I went to a horsemanship, relational horsemanship clinic that you had here at the farm, and I obviously I borrowed Sky. And as part of that clinic, I realized, you know what? I really want my own horse. If I'm going to build a relationship, it just makes sense that I get my own horse. And I I remember saying to you, I was like, Mary, maybe one day I'll get a horse. And you're like, one day? Like, what? Why one day? Why not right now? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) What am I waiting for? (laughs) I'm, you know, getting up there in age. So when is going to be the right moment? There's never going to be a perfect moment. And so I asked you to help find me the perfect partner and so we started scouring ads and whatnot and then one day you're like what do you think of Charlie (laughs) and at this time I was thinking of getting a Tennessee Walker because that was the the breed of horse that I was leasing before and it was what I know I don't you know I don't know all the different breeds or at that point I didn't and so when I saw Charlie I'm like whoa she's big (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that's a power horse right there and I was a little bit intimidated but I trusted your instinct and I came up and I spent a lot of time with her and I remember going out the first time into the pasture to go catch her and and she just walked right up to me and it was like okay (laughs) yeah maybe this will work This, this horse picked me well and interestingly enough like a week before I put that offer out for you to take Charlie, um, I had talked to somebody else and I was like, I'm never selling this horse. Like this horse is staying with me. She was my main riding horse at that time and it put a, a bunch of time into her that year. And, um, and I was like, no, no, this this is my, this is my horse. 
And there was something that happened. I was sitting out on the deck having a coffee with my husband and we were overlooking the herd and the track. And I remember sitting there and thinking, and I don't even know why. It's just all the pieces kind of fell into place where I was like, you know, I don't, I didn't want to sell her, but if I could find a home for her that could be like, that could give more than what I could give with having six other horses. And then you and all the pieces fell into place. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to offer it. And if it's meant to be after a month trial, you know, um, it's meant to be. And if not, it's not, but it was, that was really interesting how it all worked out. And now looking at you two, you two are phenomenal. Like you guys, you know, if anybody um, is interested in, in seeing some of the beautiful pictures Keely puts up on social media, it's uh, the social media account is called Charlie and Keely. Charlie and mm-hmm. Keely um, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, seriously, fantastic stuff. Like they already have a huge fan following. And people, <laughs> okay, well, it's a very dedicated fan following. People come to clinics and they're like, oh, I saw this Charlie and Keely. Now, now I can, you know, I see them in person now and, and just totally love it. So I super strongly recommend to go check that out. Um, and Keely has also um, really gone into the bitless bridal stuff. So you tell us a bit about the stuff that you have coming up there because that's super exciting. Yeah, sure. What I was experiencing with Charlie in our riding was that um, I noticed maybe it was because I was heavy on my hands, you know, as, as I'm learning um, riding, but I noticed that she would shake her head a lot when we were riding, and um, she was having some mouth issues, like she had some allergies and whatnot, and so I, I wanted to take away the bit, right, and, mm-hmm. and try out bitless riding. And when I started shopping for a bitless bridle, I was really challenged in finding a lot of options, especially in North America and Canada. Uh, so I, as I do, because I'm a designer by trade and I research the crap out of everything, <laughs> I can't help it if I buy any sort of products, I really started to do my homework and research all kinds of bridles and bridal makers out there in the world. And I started pinning them to my Pinterest board and collecting all this data and research. And so I thought, well, why don't, like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that wants to try this bitless riding experience so why don't I just like share it with everyone right so I created recently in December I created a Facebook group called best bitless um, and an Instagram account called best bitless where we celebrate bitless bridal making and bitless bridal artisans Mm -hmm. so um, what I'm doing is I'm scouring the internets and I'm featuring bitless bridal makers and um, explaining why I think that they're great bitless bridles and of course as I'm learning more uh, it'll be it'll, it'll be even better but um, yeah. for sure I'm I've been loving it because I have been <laughs> stuck this guy for example didn't like bits either she has some challenges there and so I use the rope halter so finding something and especially um, quality and texture for me is a big deal so finding something that's of good quality in the bitless bridle that's also soft and nice on the horses Mm -hmm. is really challenging which you found some beautiful pieces like some beautiful crafts men and women um, makers out there that are making these and have brought them to the forefront the only challenge is my husband's not thankful (laughs) because now I want to buy one for every season every day of the week this is this is my problem as well (laughs) 
<laughs> I have so many on my wish list and so many. I, I, I've already purchased one. I two actually now. Um, I bought an Orbitless, which is a nor nose band and a shank that was designed in the UK by this uh, great lady, Wendy Wainwright. Um, as well as I bought a headpiece from the Freedom Writing Articles, which... <laughs> Um, so together, those are like a really great bridal option for Charlie. And I also bought the Nalanta Bridal, which is a really popular bridal right now. And it, it's designed and created by um, Ava Romart, I, I believe her name is, and Jesse Drent. Um, so I'm excited to, to try that one. And I guess my goal is, and this is what I'm explaining to my partner, Kevin, <laughs> is that is all part of the research because what I'm trying to do is um, try out these bridles and then do demos and video reviews, which I will be sharing later um, on my Instagram and, and Facebook as well. So there is a method to my madness, I swear, <laughs> and a totally a reason why I'm buying all these bridles. No, and you know what? Um, uh, I always like to say, like, it de definitely takes a certain type of amazing man to be married to a horse woman. I can very comfortably say it across the board that uh, all, you know, we might all come in different shapes and sizes and different likes of what we do, but we do spend a ridiculous amount of time with our horses, <laughs> one, and we do spend maybe a little bit more money than we would if we uh, went to get pedicures and our oh, hair done all the time. <laughs> well, I used, I used to always buy, like I'd be the one that would go out and buy new shoes and a cute new outfit, and, but ever since I got into horses, man, like I wear the same tights and sweater, and I spent everything, <laughs> everything on Charlie. I'm like, okay, I gotta get a new, you know, tack set up here. Everything's gotta match. <laughs> Right? And that's why when you get a new yeah. bitless bridal, that's one color. Well, this is the problem. Now, right? Because I've got all black, but there's a really cute brown bridle <laughs> that I need to get too. And now there's all these different color options you could get. So mm -hmm. let's not talk about rhinestones and jewels too. All the fun stuff, <laughs> right? Well, and, and that's that's the... So I just get to live vicariously through mm -hmm. you right now and, and uh, see some of these bridles in action. I'm really liking the one that you're using that you had... Um, yesterday and the mm. way it fits and properly fits so it's yes. you know I think this is where bitless bridles can get a bit of a bad name especially in North America it's yeah very common in Europe for people to be riding bitless uh, however here in North America we don't have really good bitless bridle options so when you do see them sometimes you see the ones with the rawhide nose band that rub the nose off mm -hmm. and then then people will think oh all bitless bridles are bad they put too much pressure on the nose but just like with bits, it's not the the tool. It's often the hands that are they're holding it, but also the quality of of the Absolutely. tool too, right? So, yeah. and if you, it's important to find, like you said, the right fit for your horse. Right? Mm -hmm. You got to make sure it fits properly and isn't rubbing or putting pressure on those sensitive areas. And not all bridles are built appropriately, or maybe the, the bridal maker doesn't have the right knowledge in terms of like anatomically correct areas and where you should put buckles and pressure points, right? So I'm learning all that as well. And I think it's really important to keep in mind. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think the as much as the, the bridal makers too, I think it's all horses are different. You know, you look 100%. at some of the fit well, Charlie, on one. And yeah. this, is, this is like a really great 
this is it's really great that I have Charlie as my model and and you know learning specimen mm-hmm. because she is not your typical Mm-mm. horse size. <laughs> so yeah. part of her head requires you know a horse size. Part of her nose requires like a warm blood mm-hmm. because it's so big. And and I feel like a lot of riders probably experience this as well with their horses is that they can't just go and buy off the shelf mm-hmm. and just like people. I have a hard time with my body proportions going to buy clothes off the shelf. So with horses, it's it's the same, especially for something as important as like a bridle, right? So. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, I'm excited for all the stuff you're learning yeah, so that I'm, I can... I'm really excited. I'm, I'm taking um, some courses and webinars uh, from this lady, Philippa Christie, that holds uh, something called a Bit- Bitless Boutique. Um, she's out of Ireland and... I've already learned so much, so I'm excited to to keep going with that. And eventually, hopefully, I'd like to become an expert bridal fitter and and bring that service to the Okanagan in Canada and and maybe grow the community for bitless riding here. And make those uh, bitless options, those higher quality bitless options available and do the education well, piece too for people. Well, this is what I'm, I'm finding is that um, with all my research, there's all these great options for bitless bridles. Most of them are in Europe or in Australia and the the cost to bring them over here is phenomenal so I'm hoping that maybe we'll inspire some bridal makers here yeah. <laughs> with, with some of with some of the designs that um, have come across and or maybe I can build some partnerships and, and bring them over here so that it makes it easier for people in this region to try them out right and get a feel for the it. yeah for mm-hmm. the quality and functionality of, yes, of it I and think there's huge. so many different styles right it can be intimidating I was intimidated when I started chopping like there's the side poles and then there's the hackamores and then there's mm-hmm. you the know the, the and, and so like which one do you do you start with right a lot of people start with the side pole because they started a rope halter mm. but maybe that's not the best um in terms of what their horse responds to mm-hmm. so it might be worth like you and I were even trying with Charlie right mm-hmm. we started with the side pull and she would always like escape or evade when mm-hmm. I t- would try to use my side cue yeah when we put that hackamore um, bridle on her it, it was like a different horse. night and like, day night yeah. and day it was just yeah she just responded so much better to the hackamore style so yeah yeah, it was like it was like it gave her a more a clearer mm. um, train to communicate. You know, she understood your cues clearer. So instead of kind of going, I don't know what you're saying, and I'm going to go left and pull into it, <laughs> it was more of a, oh, okay, yes, I can, I can do that. So it was, it's pretty neat watching that. So I'm excited to yeah. keep exploring that through you and journey you're going through there. Um, and I wanted to also take a minute too to kind of say. I'm super excited that you're part of our team here at Huckleberry Horse Co. Um, Keely's bringing a huge amount of knowledge and expertise um, to our team and for some of the retreat programs and stuff that we're building. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a bit more about um, your your part here. So yeah, I was really excited when you invited me to join the team and to be a part of the retreats and clinics that we'll be offering here, especially when you mentioned the ladies' retreats, mm. as well as maybe some corporate leadership retreats, because that's my jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's the yeah, expertise. Yeah. So, um, yeah, working 
uh, in the corporate world of tech, and specifically for the Disney Corporation for 10 years, I was privy to many leadership training opportunities. And I learned so much, and I have this wealth of knowledge when it comes to leadership that I think I can bring bring to the team here. And um, that parallel between leading humans mm. and leading your horse, right? They, there's so there's so many similarities and training techniques that um, you can bring into it. I think um, that's pretty much that's one of the best parts. You know, the more I've gone down from the from the general going and doing my dressage and my jumping and and stuff like that, and looking at the horsemanship aspect when you delve deeper into the mindfulness or the more holistic or relational approaches, you had a really uh, neat way of looking at how there are different types of horsemanship styles. There are maybe the more natural horsemanship, you have relational horsemanship, more mindful. Mm -hmm. Generally, we're drawn to the ones that fit our leadership style. So tell us kind of about the thought behind that, because I think that's super cool way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I found coming into horsemanship, because when I first started my journey, you know, I really dove into what most people would at this point, they would read Monty Roberts or they go the Clinton Anderson route or the Pirelli route. And for me, and when looking at it, it's like, oh, that's very similar to like an autocratic leadership style where like you are a boss, you set the rules, your subordinates follow you because like almost kind of leading through fear in a way, mm -hmm. right? It's like that, that tone. And um, it worked really well, you know, obviously the horse starts listening to you, but to me it didn't resonate with me. It's not the leadership style I choose when I'm a leader and um, not something that um, my subordinates would react well to, right? So um, for me, I'm more of a democratic style leader mm. where I take feedback from my team and I listen to them and together we get a job done. Now as a leader I have a final say, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the role that's that the I role. But um, I yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, and and I love I love that I love that look at it because there are so many different there are different leadership styles and they all have a place and a function, but owning the one that works best for you absolutely, and your and your team as well. Obviously, we have to take that take that into consideration. But I, I definitely think that when we're doing some of the corporate team building stuff, you can really kind of really get a grasp mm -hmm. of what your leadership style is, yes. the, the strengths of it yeah. and the areas where you can use a boost and support to help you absolutely. become a more effective leader. Yeah. And those are only just two of the leadership styles. There's many more, um, like autocratic or, or democratic, but, um, yeah. And, and, and for me that, that, that was the biggest comparison with the horse world being a boss versus being a leader mm. and demanding respect versus earning it through consistency and trust, right? Mm -hmm. And time. And I think leaders that, for me anyway, that, that's what resonates with me is that if you earn respect, then it's on the long term, it's, it's going to serve you better and mm -hmm. um, then demanding it. Well, and, and again, just like the horsemanship, I've done it for many years. It was the training model I grew up with, with using using more force and getting the mm -hmm. respect. And I mean, there's some people say respect even differently, you know, like w your idea of how you gain respect 
um, is viewed different in different training models and styles. Um, but I think doing the more horsemanship, like I need you to do this now, do yeah. the thing because I said so, it's very effective. I've seen it work 100%. many times. And I've yeah. seen over time horses, depending on the, the mind of the horse, horses just settle into the work of that and they, they go and they do it. So there is a, the, it does work quicker in many areas. However, that long-term gaining respect and the time that needs to be put in by working with what your horse is able to work with is I think really where the magic happens because and like you've seen with your journey with Charlie, yeah. you've taken a year to really work things out. And then after that year, now you've catapulted past what other people are just hoping and dreaming to achieve that have been riding for, you know, five or six years mm. or more. And so I think that's such a neat way of looking at it. The gaining of the respect or building the relationship takes more time. It does. And you have to go slower. You have to be mindful of your horse. But I think in the long run, it actually gets you quicker to where you want to be, right? Absolutely. <laughs> the challenge with having a co-host yeah. is that I'm actually somewhat focused on conversation as opposed to... <laughs> yeah. So a- another cool story that I'd like to bring up for um, uh, this parallel with leadership was when I was at Disney... I was asked by my director to um, be a leader for a, a new design team, and it was a skill that was new to me, right? I had the leadership experience, but I did not have the software knowledge that my team would be uh, utilizing in terms of like this game engine that we were using. And so I was a little bit intimidated because I was like, oh my goodness, like are these people going to respect me, mm-hmm. right? They, they're better at it than I am. They've been doing it longer than I am. Who am I to come in and lead this team that, you know, can do this stuff mm. better than me? But I thought about it, and this is a problem I find that women tend to do, is mm-hmm. we don't start things or we don't take a risk with something unless we're 100, 100% ready, right? Which but they've done they're... studies that men do it when they're 50% ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. It's, so I, I knew this, and I knew this about myself, and I'm like, well... I'm just going to chat with them. And so I, I took the, the um, ladies that I'd be leading for coffee and I, I said to them, like, you know, if I come in as your, your lead, um, this is what I can do for you. You know, I can get all the obstacles out of your way. I'll make sure the executive team don't breathe down your necks. Like, I, I just laid it out for them and I showed them what I could offer. Mm. And then in response, they're like, okay, cool. Well, this is what we can do for you. We can help train you up and, and get you ready for this leadership position. And so together as a team, we're going to rock it, right? Mm-hmm. And then so I made sure I fulfilled all my promises, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I made sure that they were my focus. Like, I, wa- I wanted to catapult their careers and... Um, be a lead for them, not just at this company in my position, but going forward, right into mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. And we still have amazing relationships to this day. One of them, when she left the company, asked me to come and work for this new company, oh, that I'm at now, right? And mm-hmm. and we're peers now, which is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of people are, are scared to, to do that, and I'm very proud that I did that. But I saw the parallel with leadership in the horse world mm-hmm. if I would go in especially as a uh, newer rider who is is a little bit intimidated by my big giant horse Charlie mm-hmm. right? and pretend that mm-hmm. I'm going to demand respect from her she's going to feel that 
I'm actually, <laughs> she's, you know? she's going to run roughshod over you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been spending this year building this relationship, showing her what I can bring her and what I can offer her and vice versa. And I think that we're starting to really kind of feel that trust in each other. Mm. And even when we ride now, like you often say to me in our lessons, like trust your mare. Like, mm-hmm. why are you worried? Yeah, yeah she's got you. <laughs> yeah, trust your trust your relationship that you've developed with her for 100%, sure. Yeah. And and I think the parallel and some of the transitional pieces that I've kind of been going through in the last year or so is really um, as a tra- as a trainer, as a facility owner, as an equestrian, is really looking at other people um, that might be doing the same thing as me might be more advanced as me even and going how can we add value to each other's lives by creating this relationship together and remove ego pieces and remove doesn't matter what style riding you do or that you know um i had an opportunity to talk to two gals who are starting a podcast on in eastern canada and that one of them has already been very successfully running a podcast and when they reached out to me uh, you know, I was so pumped to talk to them because it's a community. I'm new to podcasting. I'm learning, as you guys have all been yeah. been hearing, and and it opens the door for so many cool things, long lasting exactly. yes. relationships, friendships, or business partnerships. And, and right? I think it's scary too when you um, when you set up an idea or you set up a brand or you set up, you know, if you're the expert in your field, like me. You know, in the design world, I've been doing it for 20 years. There's always going to be some new hotshot designer on my heels gunning for my job. And I know that. And I've never been scared because, good, come on. Come on, my yeah. team. Yeah. Let's, like, you know, blast off together. Let's do some cool stuff. I'm not going to swear. <laughs> <laughs> if but you like, do, it's okay. We can block is, it. The thing is, like, <laughs> if somebody brings their light into the room it's not going to diminish yours we're going to shine brightly together right like yeah 100% yeah. and that that's that's it really is like where are the opportunities out there in collaborating mm-hmm. right and you can find collaborations in the, the craziest places you know people that really you might never have given the opportunity to connect with in the past if you would have been more worried or concerned about them coming up and you know, that's the, again, the, Taking I, your client base. right. I call that, I call that kind of like the ego, the ego yeah. piece of it. And we all have it. So I'm not, there's no finger pointing and there. imposter syndrome is real. Oh, right? that's like, there's so always going to be somebody better out there than you. But yeah. you know what? That's the purpose of life is to just keep learning and growing and moving on. And you're never going to be mm. the top person because what is, what is the top? <laughs> what is the top person? Yeah. Um, and one of the coolest things, I think it was Matthew McConaughey said, uh, he, he says he has his kind of rules for life. And one of the things that he says, you need somebody to chase. And at mm. first, when I first heard him say that, I was like, oh, you need somebody to chase. I'm like, oh, well, I have so many mentors or people I look up to that. He said, no, you need, you need somebody to chase. And he chases his his future self in 10 years. Like who is he gonna be in 10 years? So instead of being so focused on what everybody else is doing, because again, um, Warwick Schiller's even said it, he's taking information from other people. We've all learned what we know, what I know, is all bits and pieces from the many Mm -hmm. people I've learned from and who have impacted my life. And that's so cool. Now I get to take that and maybe find parallels. Maybe somebody from mm-hmm. the polo club taught me something that I can combine with, you know, the dressage world and help one of my students mm-hmm. look at a, a challenge with her horse a new way or, or help somebody in, 
you know, in one of our retreats, kind of find a new empowerment piece. So we're all just really taking in information and putting it into a new format and putting it out there. And it might connect with people, some people, it might not connect with. And that's okay. Other people, right? Yeah. I love that idea of picking and choosing bits from what you learn that makes sense for you and your horse. 100%. Yeah. And then if you have five horses, like I do, (laughs) you know. I might probably in the future. (laughs) Well, then then that's that's the other piece. I try to encourage everybody and and my clients as well. I mean, we have a few clinicians that come in here and they work with my clients. And I actually, I had somebody come up to me last year at one of the clinics. I think it was your lesson, actually. And, and she said, you know, how, how can you, how can you do that? That's mighty brave of you to bring in other clinicians. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what the coolest thing is, is that the two other clinicians I brought in, we have similar minds and hearts behind it. So we are, we all similarly want to, um, bring a true connection for the horse and the rider. The coolest piece was watching how all three of us, and for me, watching how they, brought all these new bits and pieces that I couldn't see with my filter, right? And yeah. so how much more value are we now giving It makes sense to me. People. Like as a designer, right? Yeah. Coming from the, the world design of world. the design world as a user experience. <laughs> all my, all my titles. Um, that you, the more knowledge you have and the collection of knowledge just makes you more powerful because then if you are doing a project or you know working with horses, it's in your toolkit, right? Mm-hmm. For any kind of situation that may arise or anything you may want to do, the more knowledge you have and the more touch points you can bring up is only going to make you. Yeah. 100%. And like I said, that's with the five horses. I've had to work with so many people. They are all so 100% uniquely their own yes. creatures, right? Yeah. That's why so. I need more horses. Yeah. Charlie is not enough. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, I need to give her a mile right now. <laughs> well, and you know, that time, time, there, there will come a time. I think in the meantime, if you keep advancing your bitless bridal stuff and, and tack and exploring that area, I'm more than happy to share my, <laughs> my five. We need some more models. Yeah. Right? Show off the different horse fits. And and two, taking some time to work with other horses That's as well, right. right? Yeah. I, I do need to step out of that, I guess, a little bit more because I'm, I'm so uh, focused on creating that relationship with Charlie that I need to, if, to be a better horsewoman. Maybe I should work with other horses. And well, and that, that, that'll come, but I also yeah. see huge value um, coming from having five horses. I mean, they all get a little bit of me, where Charlie gets all of you. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's value for you, especially um, in your journey, to really see how far you can take that much concentrated love and time. Yeah before you get in I think a lot of people make that mistake a lot of people get one horse and they love them and they're like potato chips and then you get another one and then you get another one and because then they are overloaded and have so many horses they don't really get to see that opportunity of where that relationship can really get to Mm -hmm. and once you've seen it now you can go okay now I know what needs to be put into it so it's maybe a little bit easier to spread that in and, and still work for that goal for all of your horses but I think initially in the onset if you start with a lot and you don't get to see one of those solid relationships built not through to the end because I don't think there's an end but through (laughs) to you know maturity Mm -hmm. um you don't really get to appreciate what 
what there really can be between a horse and, mm-hmm. a, and a person, right? Yeah, it's pretty magical. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I was amazed. Yeah, I had no idea that you can get to that level of connection with a, with a horse, right? Yeah, you're not just getting on and putting the boots <laughs> to the side and yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, and I'm, that was always my goal, and that's why I came to you, I think, originally, was when I did start this journey. It was all about going horseback riding, but I, I was finding I was spending more time standing in the field, just hanging out, mm. um, than jumping on riding anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, to get to a point where you can get that same connection while riding is just amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, to, to narrow down and to build that communication train between you and your horse, too. Yeah. There's that, you know, you've been working on some of the bridalist and seat communication. Yes. Yeah. Where. Amazing. You know. You just the thought of turning and how your intentions. Yes. Uh, tell us a bit about the... I, I had no... Like, coming in and, and learning... I watching all these Hollywood movies and see how people were... <laughs> Yeehaw! Was yanking the reins to go right, you know, and left. And, but, obviously, if you really know how to ride. <laughs> um, but I'm loving this exploration with dropping the reins completely. Not even using a saddle and just sitting, you know, with a bareback pad. And, and just using your mind and your intention to go places and and the horse responding like that's amazing Mm. and we're starting to get there charlie and i where um especially if i bring up this energy in my body where i'm like let's go charlie let's do it and i could Mm -hmm. feel the energy boil in her right and oh yeah you light the tank and suddenly she'll just like go for it and i'm like holy smokes like we can feel as like one being right and that's just wow (laughs) yeah it's crazy you know what I spent I spent I think a good over 17 years of like solid solid riding time thinking I had a really solid relationship with my horse um my horses and and man they all taught me something new and special and fantastic um but it didn't really realize to what heights or what levels I could take that relationship to if I let go some of my own Mm -hmm. um some of my own minds that I was hanging on to, you know, and then you're talking about dropping the reins and letting go and just really allowing that intention to come out. What a great parallel too for, for life when you're kind of, you're letting go of all of these worries and these things that, you know, and, and you just, you just allow it to happen. And when you sit in that, the cool opportunities that come your way, you would have missed those because you were too busy focusing on putting your left leg on with your outside rein and absolutely and I think that what a great way to start riding mm. is to start there get rid of all of the equipment mm-hmm. <laughs> right and imagine if you started there with riding that'd be cool I could see the challenges <laughs> from a coaching standpoint right I could see the challenge uh, Mary <laughs> You like experimenting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So this year at Huckleberry Horse Go, we're going to develop a program of totally tactless. Um, and you know what? It's The interesting piece is that I guess the, the reason why I think that that hasn't been developed to that extent, and I know there are places that are kind of doing somewhat similar, mm-hmm. like we do go into... Um, seat lessons this last year especially especially my young riders yeah. I really encouraged bareback riding just because there was no leaning into the tack 
So they were only riding at the level that their body was actually, and body and mind were actually physically Mm -hmm. and mentally able to cope with. And sometimes we get this extra bravery where we want to, you know, we feel stuck in the saddle, so we are going to sit it and then we're going to put our legs on and suddenly the horse is going way faster than we want them to go. And now what? And now what? Now you just... (laughs) You know, that's just a recipe for for disaster. But the other piece of it is, and the reason I think it maybe hasn't come out as much, is because there definitely has to be a trust. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the trust fall situation where you have a bunch of people behind you and you fall back. That's basically what you're doing. You're letting go of a a large amount of, of control, let's call it. That's fair. And dropping back. So to have that from a teaching point standpoint i think we need to find a way too that we can um first get people to realize the importance of building that relationship with their horse their horse is not a tool it isn't a machine right, right? And they so, can do crazy amazing things but yeah i was actually thinking about this and, and learning to ride and finding balance and i was thinking of the metaphor it's like Learning to ride a horse, um, some people may consider it like learning to ride a bicycle. Like you just have to find your balance when, you, when you're when mm-hmm. you riding, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is you don't have handlebars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And people think that the reins are the handlebars and they lean into it when they get tired and or if they get worried. But really, learning to ride a horse is like riding a unicycle. <laughs> it is. Like yeah. You have to yeah, learn yeah. to use your core and yeah. not use your hands, really. And... But a, uni- a unicycle with a brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that can change its mind it in any second. It's worried about things yeah. and gets scared. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, the, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think, though, people do relate to it to riding a bike and they will, like you said, lean into the reins and tip their body forward. And that's how a lot of people do learn, you know, as a when I teach people or when I used to teach people how to ride, you know, I would always get them to shorten the reins, shorten the reins, because I knew that that dynamic between a green rider who's unstable and a horse that, you know, even our schooled horses have moments where they're like, ah, like, get off my back, you're mm-hmm. flailing around. That dynamic, in order to keep that person safe up there, it was safer, and I'm going to say in quotation marks, mm-hmm. <laughs> to have them have shorter reins. And then um, what I discovered over over time doing the lessons too is the more I actually allowed the horse to have their head even with an unstable rider on them and of course again these are not raw wild green horses no. these are my these are my lesson horses yeah. so I'm not encouraging I'm just a side note I'm not we're not encouraging people to go out there and let go of the reins warning label <laughs> don't try this at home <laughs> don't go drop your we reins we do some weird things here at <laughs> no no we're totally normal <laughs> play yeah we're definitely we're definitely uh outside of the out 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 way outside of the box but I think in a good way and safety is definitely still a big big wear helmets yes (laughs) (laughs) now bridles optional well in the arena in the arena yeah (laughs) again even that right bridleless I mean but it's all in the training obviously you're not going to jump on a horse and do that right away like you build up your trust I hope not yeah (laughs) don't do it (laughs) um yeah for sure and bridleless is one of those things that let's say in Europe is just exploding Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. there's there are lots of people going out on big trail rides there's a few local trainers who I know of as well who do big swimming trips and stuff like that, totally bridleless, but they have put mm-hmm. hours 
and hours into their horses to the point where, you know, those horses are actually safer than a lot of bridled horses that have been being ridden for quite some time. And I wouldn't have believed that coming from, again, my old mind, my old school of thought, um, until I saw it in action, until I saw, you know, here is my, you know, solid upper level dressage horse that was fully done up in all of his gear losing his mind over like a garbage bag on the side of the road and here's this other person who is riding their horse in a cordeo so a neck band with no bridle Mm -hmm. and the horse just walked over actually the horse helped us by walking over the garbage bag on it um and letting my horse know that you know look it's not eating that horse so you're safe and so that was kind of one of the first pieces in my riding where I was like you know wow there's so much more it doesn't matter that I went and I rode my horse six days a week um, and took multiple lessons from all different types of riding instructors that there's so much more to the horse human relationship than just getting on and doing the stuff you know (laughs) Um, we do have some other trainers and stuff coming onto the podcast in the next few weeks as well who um, have even you know more new innovative approaches there's one gal and I'm not going to ruin the surprise but she works with the horses completely at liberty to develop crazy high impulsion um, and phenomenal biomechanical movements without manually manipulating the horses so I'm really interested to chat with her Um, We have a a trainer out of Europe who is doing some super cool stuff, Spanish riding. Uh, She's a young gal who does some circus work, trick work. Um, And uh, so there's, that's the cool part of what's kind of happening in the horse world. I feel like we're experiencing a renaissance right now in the horse world. Things are shifting. Things are, can you feel it? Like it's... (laughs) I, 100%. Yeah. And we're, we're experiencing a lot of interesting, cool things as we go through this renaissance here at the farm. We do animal communication, R-plus training, clicker training, bridalists, like you name it. 100%. And this, these are, it's, it's pretty cool um, for, for me as well. I've spent a long time, like this is always, this has been in my heart for so long, mm-hmm. bringing it into the training aspect, working with my clients now more, being brave enough to do that. Um, there's a certain amount of fear as an instructor stepping out of kind of what I know is more of the traditionally accepted riding lessons and doing some some more unique things again of course emphasizing safety but doing giving clients opportunities to experience their horses in new ways um, and then to have the community that's been kind of found me here on the hillside <laughs> You, we found you. <laughs> and and well, your the, vibe attracts your tribe, right? They say. <laughs> well, whatever it is, I'm just very grateful. We've got a really cool, cool group of ladies here, and I'm super excited that you're joining into the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, explore more of the bitless bridal. Yeah, yeah, we got you. Have some, some I have, yeah, I have some, I have some makers in mind that I'd like to reach out to and, and bring them on. So hopefully that they they'll come and join the community and. Listen, makers, yeah. <laughs> if you don't take this lady seriously, like, I don't know. She's phenomenal, and uh, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to kind of, you know, um, spread some bitless bridal knowledge. I think it's it definitely isn't mm-hmm. for everybody and every horse, and that's okay, yeah. right? But, but there's some cool things, and if you educate yourself about it and kind of be open-minded to some of the stuff that's out there, you might find it useful in the future. 
Um, or you even might find it useful in your current situation. Mm-hmm. So it's worth to be open-minded about for sure. So I'm looking forward to, cool. to hearing these makers agree to come <laughs> on to the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. So, Keely, thank you. Thank, thank you, you again. This is great. Looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. And you'll hear a lot more of Keely. We're going to really uh, run with this podcast here in the next few weeks. So, if anybody wants more information or wants to put some feedback into the podcast, please reach out to us on social media or on our website. We are putting together a mailing list for the podcast that will kind of keep everybody up to date on what's coming as well as would love to hear your feedback on future episodes on people you would love to maybe hear from that you think would fit into the rebels dreamers and innovators of the equestrian world we would totally love to hear from you guys so thank you again thank you keely thank you yeah. and uh happy riding you guys until next time till next time